guys know what this represents? Tell us, sir. Maybe it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? Could be the calm, the calm before the storm. We have the world's great military people in this room, I will tell you that. And uh, we're going to have a great evening. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. What storm is the present? You'll find out. <laughs> this is bullshit. America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. Hey everyone, welcome to the NBS podcast or the Necessary Bullshit podcast. You know, we're both and we love it. We like it, I think. Yeah, we're big fans. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're a little, we might be a touch bias. Um, but yeah, yeah I, think, we, I think I'm probably the closest to the number one fan of the podcast. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, you definitely do have the most downloads. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so welcome here for this episode. We are doing something interesting. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but we, in our past episodes, if you've yet to listen, um, we have covered such kind of conspiracy theories. I believe we did the anti-vaxxers, Ian, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we did anti-vaxxers. I think we also did, yeah, we did Flat Earth um, along with like uh, surveillance capitalism and things of that nature. Yeah, so we are going to tackle another conspiracy theory today, and that's going to be QAnon. But before we get started, I do want to make this known because Ian and I talked a little bit about this off mic. Uh, There are certain aspects of this uh, conspiracy theory that deal with things that are very real, real, um, that affect our, our culture currently. And Ian and I understand that there's a time and place to talk about things. And so just to be clear here, there's, there's elements of, of pedophilia that's, um, basically claimed in the QAnon, uh, conspiracy. And even though we will kind of touch base on that, I think we're not going to really focus on that topic. We're going to focus more on the conspiracy at whole, uh, maybe the aspects of what it means to be centered around pedophilia, not necessarily about pedophilia itself. Um, as we know, Know that like we're not going to touch that topic it's just it's just we feel that right now that is the right way to do that's the right thing to do right yeah it's not it's not that josh and i are, are opposed to touching that topic in fact i think both him and i have uh quite some interesting thoughts on that matter especially myself as a parent um but we just want to we just want to give it a little bit of time we want to make sure we do our due diligence and do proper research in making sure that we are clear and concise in our thoughts very similar to our uh, Black Lives Matter episode with Orlando. You know, mm-hmm. we wanted to make sure that we were very, um, I don't want to say, you know, overly sensitive, but just make sure that we cover the topic in as best as a way possible without, um, you know, I, with without maybe making it either super gross or without, you know, losing some of the important information there while also trying to come across as unique. But as Josh was saying, you know, we have covered various conspiracy theories before and QAnon is a really, really sort of big up and coming. I mean, not even up and coming anymore, but very prominent. I don't even want to say one conspiracy theory. It it seems like several conspiracy theories roll into one, sort of loose following does i mean does would you agree with that josh yeah i would i would i would say that that's accurate i mean here let's let's kind of go into this a little bit too because you know as we're as we're seeing here uh ian and i thought it was important to talk about this topic because you know you're seeing things like uh you know like uh 
you're essentially seeing things like Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, basically who is now the leading candidate in the race for Georgia's 14th con- congressional district seat. You know, she has posted in 2017 when QAnon first started that, you know, and I quote here talking about QAnon, a once in a lifetime opportunity to take this global cabal of Satan worshiping pedophiles out. Um, and so right. there is a level here of certain influences now that it's making its way into politics. And so that's why I think it's important to get our head around this and, and figure out what's actually going on. You know, so the, the first post from the anonymous user was done on 4chan and it was done on October 28th of 2017. Um, the user was nicknamed Q because apparently it was Q level of security, which meant he was a high government official um, who was essentially shedding apparently. light. Yeah. Shedding <laughs> light on this, on this conspiracy, especially using code words like I know mockingbird, you know, as was used in, in Q's first post. And, and that's kind of maybe in reference to operation mockingbird, which was kind of a CIA effort to blackmail journalists and give out false information to, to share propaganda during the cold war. Um, so I don't know. I mean, make what you want. The, the fun about QAnon that people have is when it bled onto like Instagram and, and YouTube and, and Twitter, all this, they're like our QAnon quote unquote explainers, you know, and these people have right. millions of followers that listen to them, try to break down and interpret the code that they think that they're hearing, you know? Yeah, so you have, sure. yeah, yeah. You know, you have like, for example, this, and I don't know if you know this one, Ian, but the storm is one of this, you know, the storm is coming. That's a, it's a big code word. And they said on October 5th in 2017, during a photo opportunity held before a military dinner, Trump said, you know, something along the lines of uh, the calm before the storm. And the reporter asked him, what did you mean by that? And he said, you'll find out. So that's yeah, kind I of think, like, uh, go ahead. Like he had, he had, you know, uh, several military leaders with him. And, you know, it was very strange because it was, you know, there was this military helicopter going off in the background. I remember this actually uh, quite well. And, you know, he said, yeah, he sort of muffed muffled it or, or mumbled it rather where he says like oh yeah you know this is sort of the calm before the storm and reporter like you, you know like you said here reporters are like sir what do you what do you mean by calm before the storm and you said you'll find out you'll find out don't worry and it's like what the fuck because this is a prominent saying in QAnon circles like there is going to be a calm before the storm we're going to see something come like a reckoning you know Trump uh, uh, you know is supposed to be this sort of uh, savior uh, for uh, for the followers of, of QAnon, you know, to get rid of, like you said earlier, this cabal of of Satan worshiping pedophiles. Right, right. And so you know, his original post is on October 28th. Now on November 1st, there was another post from Q and essentially claiming that on November 3rd and 4th, uh, the 2016 campaign chair of Clinton's campaign would be arrested and that military control would take hold and public riots would be organized in serious numbers to prevent the arrest and capture of more um, senior public officials, which none of that happened. Um, QAnon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, good predicting, good predicting. (laughs) Yeah. Q's Q's responsible for the assertions such as uh, for certain assertions, such as Kim Jong-un being placed into power by the CIA. Um, and then also you have Seth Rich's murder um, that was done by MS-13 under orders from the former DNC chair, Debbie Weiserman Schultz in July of 2016. Now, this is interesting because the theory being that Clinton had a hand in it and Seth Rich's parents had lawsuits against Fox News reporters such as um, Malia Zimmerman and pundit Ed Butowski. I guess, and sure. weaving together yeah. a story of how Seth leaked DNC emails to Julian Estrange at WikiLeaks and he was murdered for it. 
And so these are certain things that, that Q has been responsible for, or his explainers is interpreting his, his cryptic messages here. Yeah, I'm so, sure I'm sure like Kim Jong un, for example, being placed in power by the CEA, by the CIA, I'm sure that his being placed in power had nothing to do with his father or his grandfather, right? Who were also <laughs> Also prominent Kims and who are in power of it. I just, yeah. I mean, it just right. boggles my mind, like the links that people make, I mean, with a other, you know, conspiracy theories. So you, you, right. you can keep going, Josh. It just, it just, no, 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 you're, you're not, mind. you're yeah. not wrong. And I know that we're going to kind of broaden and open up this discussion. So like this is, you know, cause so Q, he moved from 4chan to 8chan and then eventually to YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And so, as I mentioned earlier, he has some popular channels and his believers as known quote unquote as explainers have millions of views breaking down the post. <laughs> And a lot of them have, you know, gatherings and there's a community and there's like a, you know, there's a, a joy to seeing the next video or, or catching the next explainer. And there's kind yeah, of, yeah, like I wonder this... where they're going to have, you know, the, the QAnon for dummies books. You remember those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some links to QAnon supporters that have been made with videos such as the pandemic video and some of the mm. anti-mask conspiracy theories, which, you know, is using COVID to essentially kind of say that some sketchy things are going on to help um, what they believe to be, you know, satanic rituals. This is interesting. Um there's not only do they believe that, you know, the, the whole pedophile thing, but there are satanic rituals obtaining chemical um adrenochrome. Adrenochrome, that's right, which is yeah. believed to be harvested from the pituitary glands of children in order to maintain youthful appearances. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what are they, vampires? Like, what's going on? I mean, and yeah, the adrenochrome, like adrenochrome chemical, <laughs> yeah, it was made famous by the 1971 book Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Right, yeah, by uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I mean, the... You know, adrenochrome, I mean, it's a real, you know, it's a real chemical that is in, you know, pituitary glands of children and adults. So I don't know why they would just need children. Um, you know, I think it I think it does have something to do with the, you know, uh, adrenaline that, you know, you get when you when you feel a rush. Uh, you know, I don't know the exact science behind it, but I mean, it's it's silly, right? Like to, to think that I mean, like, why? First of all, like, how does how does adrenochrome help maintain a youthful appearance? Also, why would Satan have anything to do with it? <laughs> you know, I just like, like, right. where are the, how are these links being made? You know, that's always and this my is, first and, question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is the thing, too, that I wanted, really wanted to get to. So there's kind of two main things here. The, the, the first one that I think we kind of mentioned briefly was th there's this idea of the storm. And essentially, you know, what they believe is going to happen is this is according to a man named Travis View, who is a QAnon researcher, and he, he's a co-host of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. And so during his stint on the PBS News Wait, Hour, QAnon has his, QAnon has their own podcast. Is this, no, is no, this I don't think I. Th okay, I don't think that it's actually. I think it's the the researchers who are looking into the phenomena of, of QAnon have a podcast. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I was yeah. gonna say, like, damn. <laughs> right. So in, in the PBS news hour in early August, you know, he said that the storm is the prediction of a, a great mass arrest in the event where over a hundred thousand people from the highest levels of power um, through the government and entertainment are arrested and face a great day of reckoning. Uh -huh. And so that's like the first thing they believe. And then the second thing, the big event is it's called the big awakening. And it's this moment where <laughs> we're close to we, that. It's just the awakening. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, no, but you, you make jokes, but no, this is where, this is where kind of it gets interesting because when you look at what's going on with Jeffrey Epstein, I know you mentioned that earlier, that whole uncovering yeah. thing, a lot of people connect that to this event of the big awakening, you know, and what's happening. So it's, it's all kind of interconnected. And then lastly, yeah, because now his, like uh, his, his wife or, or, or 
sexual confidant has like been arrested, right? She's in prison is and is facing trial. I think so. I believe. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I don't remember know, her name. Of, I'll look it up as you're, as you're talking. Gotcha. Gotcha. So moving forward, the, there's a, there's a phrase, a famous phrase with all cues of pullers and it's where we go one, we go all. Um, and there's a hashtag, the WWG one WGA. And I know that this tweet has since been deleted, but there has been evidence of Eric Trump who has used that hashtag um, before on Twitter. And that mm. post no longer exists, like I said. But now that we kind of got that out of the way and the two. Let main- me, actually, let me sorry, just interrupt you real quick. So sure. her name is uh, Gaylene Maxwell, uh, Jeffrey that's Epstein's it. wife. It's yeah, uh, Maxwell, a British it. socialite known for association with financier and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. So not not his uh, not his wife, but, you know, close associate. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway. No, no. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, the thing is, is that you mentioned something earlier where there, there's a few things about this that are going to be really difficult to break down. So first of all, you know, as you as you know, from other people that have looked into conspiracy theories, there's this I guess there's this theory on conspiracy theories that it's an attempt to create order and, and chaos. Yeah. You know, particularly things that seem out of our realm of comprehension. You know, if there's something that's happening that's really hard to wrap our heads around, you know, sometimes having this fantastical st- story that's woven together to make sense of it is comforting and, and it somehow propels or supports a lot of these conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, you know, that definitely I mean, that's why, you know, science exists, right? You know, it's because we, you know, there the world and the universe is is. I don't want to say inherently chaotic or inherently orderly, but it just, it is a big mystery. Right. And so scientists especially want to, and you know, philosophers and poets and, and, and all sort of intellectual circles want to make sense of the world and conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, not dissimilarly want to do something similar. And I think the only, the, the difference in motive is not to have a better, necessarily a better understanding, but to seek out, either wrongdoings or some kind of evil in the world that is going on. I mean, because, you know, it could be like flat earth, right? For example, where people who believe in flat earth believe that the government is stopping people from finding this out. Like the governments of the world are stopping or trying to stop people from finding this out. And they are, and they are literally arresting people who are, you know, going to go see the ice wall, right. Or the edge around the, you know, the flat earth. Similarly with people who believe in, you know, this new world order where, you know, like there's going to be this Jewish cabal who, who take over the world and, uh, you know, suppress our, you know, our breeding or intelligence in some way, or, or, uh, take all the money, you know, again, like it's, it's more anti-Semitic than it is uh pure conspiracy, but it is always, I think about rooting out some kind of evil or injustice they believe in the world. And with QAnon, you know, again, as we sort of briefly touched on, it does have a lot to do with uh, pedophilia, but it also, again, has, you know, I think there's some New World Order stuff in there as well. Right. And I think the interesting thing, too, and I know we talked about this a little bit off mic, but, you know, when you're dealing with such a, a horrible topic, something that we know exists, something that we know is you know, we're trying to deal with on multiple different levels, you know, how can you f- pretend to not agree with QAnon because of the fact that they're condemning, you know, that's something that that's that heinous, you know, or that awful, you know, and, and it, and it makes for kind of an airtight where it, it, a, it makes it easier to want to believe like if this is really, if, you know, if, if, for example, to one of the big proponents of, of, of QAnon is, is basically saying that like 
Trump's chaos is planned. It's supposed to be a distraction for mm -hmm. the, you know, the real eradication of what QAnon or Q says is the deep state. And so this idea of feeling comfort and being like, oh, all this chaos that I'm seeing, this is supposed to happen. You know, A, how could that not feel comforting? B, the idea that you're fighting this, like you said, this grand evil, how could that not also feel comforting? And then you, it also reinforces it because if people do not believe in this, then they are, are themselves, you know, not for good and for evil. So this is why when I wanted to break down QAnon, I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on the, on like we said, the, the pedophile aspect of it. What I'm fascinated in is the religious elements. Um, oh sure. The okay. the yeah. Satan the Satan worshiping and and the cults that's happening. And this is where this conspiracy breaks down for me and starts to become a conspiracy and I know that of course like all the other stuff it's like for those it may sound ridiculous to some listeners but there are millions of people that are following this stuff. That's just yeah. the reality that we live in. So for me, not being a religious person who has a lot of problems when it comes to faith and the idea of organized religion, I can see that if you are already in this religious mind frame, you know, have this belief structure that it, it can easily so pull you in and, and be so, you know, because what does Q have? That's that's equi like equal to religion has community. You know, there's a group of people that all have the shared beliefs and, and the same goals. And, you know, there are aspects of, of certain QAnon supporters that are just helping. They're helping each other and, you know, in other right. ways. Yeah, actually, um, you know, this reminds me uh, quite a bit a lot. And, and maybe I'll again, I'll put a, another link to it in in the show notes. But when we did our episode on, you know, we talked about uh, the. The overwhelming. I, I suppose influence of modern of, of new media rather on YouTube. We talked about the rabbit hole podcast. We talked about PewDiePie and in the rabbit hole podcast, you know, there was a whole episode where they interviewed this, um, you know, this woman, you know, she, you know, used some anonymous name or some nickname or whatever. Uh, and she talked about her, her previous involvement in following QAnon. And, you know, they got lots of, uh, of clips, you know, from QAnon supporters on YouTube and elsewhere, where they did talk about, you know, being within this community and helping one another and, and just talking about, you know, and a lot of them did happen to be happen to be religious. What and, and what's actually interesting about that is that uh, the woman whom they interviewed uh, in that episode, they talked about her father being in the military and being like, uh, I'm not sure exactly what her role in the military or her father's role was in the military was, but you know, she was saying that when QAnon started to bring in scripture into it, that's when she started to become more uh, suspicious, uh, suspicious of it because she knew that there wasn't that type of connection between that specific branch of her father's military involvement and, and religion. But on that note, again, it, it does make sense that, there are more religious people who are falling into this kind of conspiratorial thinking. And I think a lot, a lot of it has to do with the fact, and you know, this is just, this is just being blunt here, you know, and this is not necessarily condemning, you know, people who, who are religious, but, you know, I think when you, you know, when you have a deep held belief, you know, that there's somebody looking out for you, that there are maybe angels or that there's a plan, there's God's plan looking out for you in the end. I think you might be a little bit more, uh, t you know, trending towards magical thinking. And so what people like that do, not, not even when it comes to conspiracy thinking, but they tend to make links in places where there may not be. 
You know, this is something that, you know, you learn to sort of, I don't want to say combat, but think about, you know, in, in philosophy courses, for example, when you're taught skepticism and other critical thinking, or you learn about conspiracy theories in general, you learn that there aren't necessarily these connections being made here. The problem is, is like human psychology is really, really built to make links where there are none. I mean, that's why we see faces in the clouds and in the grass. You know, that's why, you know, other animals with um, uh, front facing eyes, for example, you know, we can have a little bit better of a connection to like dogs and cats uh, better than some other mammals. Um, and so it makes sense again, that, that there are some more religious thinking people who are falling into this um, way of thinking here. Yeah, and I think too, it, this this is where it gets tricky because, like you said, there's elements of other conspiracy theories that may be more difficult to to try to disprove or or dissuade. Like you know, I, I think of one like the moon landing. You know, a lot of people think the moon landing is fake. You know, yeah. most of the time, their job is to convince people that the evidence that exists has been doctrinated or have been changed or it's been altered or, or created. You know, it's not real. And there's this element of, of trying to get people kind of out of that because it's the what you're trying to prove or disprove just relies on certain kind of you know factual evidences or what's going on. But when you're dealing with something as sensitive as what's going on with QAnon, you know, or like you said with the flat earthers, when you bring the government into it and think that it's a conspiracy of hiding up, the moment that you try to present any sort of facts or, or statements to the contrary you know, it, it's deemed as trying to cancel their message because they're they're getting closer to a truth. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting here too with like with government conspiracies is you know people do have a lot of mistrust for the government. I mean, I I have mistrust for the government, but not in those same ways, right? But what sure. people connect with is, is that there are times where the government has had legitimate conspiracies. I mean, think about the Iran Contra. Uh, deal that happened in the 80s, you know, or think about, um, or maybe that was the late 70s. I can't remember, but, or just think about, you know, again, you mentioned the moon landing, for example. Nixon had a prepared speech for if the, um, if the astronauts didn't come back. And in fact, right. um, what's, what this is funny about this, and I think it actually fuels the original moon landing conspiracy quite a bit, is that Stanley Kubrick had just finished filming 2001 A Space Odyssey, and one of the major sets in that film is a set for the moon. And so the CIA commissioned Stanley Kubrick to try to uh, – uh, they wanted him to film some shots of astronauts on the moon in case that the original astronauts died. Of course, the um, you know the sets remained, but the sh scenes were never shot. And Stanley Kubrick, he just – he didn't want to be controlled, right, in his filmmaking. So eventually he left – um, he left over, you know, creative reasons and those right. things never, those things never happened, you know, but I mean, it's just interesting. I think the, the psychology that, that has to be involved when you are, you know, again, I want to use the moon example for a moment. So I worked with this person, um, maybe God, it was, it was really, it was early this year whom brought to my attention well, I mean, he was attempting to bring to my attention. He, I don't, I don't know exactly how we got on this conversation, but he was saying that it's like, well, you know, um, the military, they've, they've bombed the moon before. I was like, oh, you know, really? Why, you know, how would they do that? When did they do that? You know, he didn't really have any clear, you know, uh, answers for me. He's like, oh, well, you know, they bombed the moon, you know, back in the day because they wanted to, you know, do some tests on it. I'm like, okay, well, where is this going? 
And you he know, t- I just kind of he- wish I kind of wish that you should just start the story with like, I've never spoken to this person in my life. And I was standing there <laughs> getting a soda and a man turned and looked at me. And the first words out of his mouth were, you know, we bombed the moon once. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? That would make for a lot more of an interesting. Frankly, I probably would have been more attentive if this, if this random, you know, stranger would have came and told me this story. But no, unfortunately, it was with a coworker. And you know, he told me. You know, he told me. I don't. Again, like I don't know where he's getting this information. You know, the internet. Um, like all of us. And he said, it's like, well, you know, they found out the moon was hollow. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, it rings like a bell. Like when they, uh, uh when they bombed it, I'm like, well, how did they tell it? It rang like a bell. They're like, well, they heard it. I'm like, okay, well, sound can't propagate through space through space. So how did they do that? Like, Oh, well, I think that maybe they use lasers. I'm like, okay, well, how did they use the lasers? They're like, well, they, I mean, it kind of reminds me this, of that. I'm just going to say, it kind of reminds me of that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean when you know the, he's talking about the black pearl and the cursed ship and he's just like and anybody who saw it has never returned and he's like if nobody's returned then who is telling the tales <laughs> right where do the stories come from i wonder yeah yeah that's it where the stories come from i wonder Something but yeah like you know he's yeah. telling me this and i'm like okay and i keep asking him questions i'm like okay how do they use the lasers it's like well you know they aimed it at i'm like okay well we, <laughs> you know with what and then he's like well you know they 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 use their their laser technology i don't know exactly what you know the phrases they use you know they you know they found out the 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 moon rang like a bell because it's like hollow inside i'm like well i don't think the the moon is hollow i mean like we you know we've we've done pretty good uh studies of the moon i, I think it's you know it's got a solid core you know it used to be molten uh and they're like well you know they they think it it was a you know it's from a, it's a foreign object I'm like, well, what do you mean it's a foreign object? They're like, well, we think, you know, that the moon came from somewhere else. And I'm like, and I, again, I'm like trying to figure out why he's, why he's even saying this shit. I'm like, well, you know, they've taken samples from the moon, right? And they know that the moon and the earth uh, are made up of the same materials from uh, uranium, uh, God, uranium 234 dating. Uh, and so they know that they're, they're the same age and they are made up of the same stuff. So that's why we have this hypothesis of, uh, the moon and the earth used to be part of the same object until there, you know, there was a collision before and they broke off, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, sure. and I present him with this information. They're like, oh, well, I mean, you know, I don't know. This is just what I've heard. I'm like, okay. So after all these questions that I, you know, probed you with after making this bizarre statement that the, that the moon is hollow, then you just have nothing to say. So that, that right there shows me that, most of the time, these people who fall in, and I'm not even saying this person whom, whom I worked with was a conspiratorial, you know, thinker. But the fact that you hear stuff like this, and you're like, oh, God, dude, you mean the, the government is like the moon is hollow? Like, of course, of course, of course, they would be hiding that, you know. And then when I ask these people like that, I'm like, OK, well, why would the government, you know, wh- why would they conceal that? Like, well, well, you know, and they don't have an answer. You know, it's the same thing with with not allowing uh, the news of aliens being visited by us, you know, and the government consp- holding that back. Like, you know how many people it would take to hold, you know, to keep that information? I know I'm going off a de- on a tangent here, but like people would find out. Like we would know that aliens had visited us. And to me, there's there's always got to be a reason. And I think what's, you know, there's there's almost a reason for everything, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it. But with conspiracy theories... There is this propensity, like we said earlier, to search out some type of evil or wrongdoing. In the case of the moon, why would we fake the moon landing? For what? I mean, like, okay, to, you know, to convince the Soviets that we went there first. So what? So fucking what? Like, it just, I don't know. 
tangent over. I feel Joshua. like you. Uh, <laughs> I feel like your 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 navigation device just broke, and you totally got lost. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, I know. I went got, to the moon. Yeah, you got lost. Yeah, you went to the moon uh, on your journey to find the point you well, were going to make. Tell you uh, what, so- we, can, we can go back to pedophilia, for example, as much as I hate No, that no, 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 just listen. Hold on. Let me say this one thing. Let me say this one thing, and I'll, I'll let you go. So with QAnon, for example, I think we're all aware of the Pizzagate incident. You see what I did there? So Pizzagate, in sure. case anybody knows, this is a few years ago, where uh, it, was before the, it was before the 2016 election right yeah i think it was in yes yes and um basically it was this idea that uh there was this pizza parlor somewhere in dc right where the owner or you know who was linked with the clintons was had a child sex dungeon in the basement of the pizza of the pizza parlor right and this is a, a conspiracy idea that was propagated by q online he was using various code words you know things that happened you know it was very strange the and way this was kind was of before up. this is like the birth of it this is before yeah. he was known as q yeah exactly you know, this is all this is yeah this is before the october 28th post you know, all that different stuff so this is kind of like pre you know origin stories right <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was, it was a backstory um but you know long story short this story got such you know it made such traction that somebody literally went to the pizza parlor to go stop this child sex ring and you know of course the, you know the premise was that they, they were keeping kids in the basement well this pizza parlor didn't have a basement right so you know so that's definitely something you know interesting going on there but it was a man who was literally trying to save children he was convinced that children were being held up against their will and so that's why i think this is interesting here is that people literally want to do this for a good cause anyway no and you can you're and well yeah yeah you're you're not wrong and there's been a few other instances where you know people have been either i mean i i think at one point the fbi even was trying to to label QAnon as like almost like intelligence intelligence terrorists, you know, in the sense of, yeah. of, of providing false information, just because I've guess there's been several different cases of, of people either being arrested through doing acts of things. I remember what's that one guy who, uh, like what he, he held himself up at the Hoover dam. Oh, you know, with right. The, with, right. with a rifle and a pistol that says release the, the, the something memos, because again, they believe that with the great awakening, there's memos, secret memos that, that explain everything that, that Q has said to be true. And he really wanted those memos to be released. Yeah, was so he's like released been... the OIG memos or something like that? The, yeah, the OIG memos or something. Yeah, so there's been connections to that. But I, I guess the thing that I was trying to say is like, yeah, you know, before I derailed the point. <laughs> Well, you derailed a little bit because the, the 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 real the kicker that I wanted you to get out of is this with this kind of religious connection or with this sure. kind of understanding of 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 it's it's this loop of if I say that okay, well look at this. Here's this evidence and it shows that like yes, maybe certain negative things exist, but it's not this huge interconnective conspiracy, you know, that you think it is. You know, then that's just you covering up you know, because the conspiracy is about the people with power, you know, so it's this idea of, you know, this is where I think you get connections, like what's going on with, with claiming to be sheeple. This is why COVID-19 is fascinating, you know, because you have some people that are making links to wearing masks, being it, you know, easier to not be seen to do your, your negative dirty work, or, you know, you have these ideas of, of all of, all of us are just being manipulated and tricked 
you know, into, into what we think is, is right. You know, when you're trying to critique, you know, for example, progressive ideology. And so all of this really oh, kind of boils me? back down. <laughs> yeah, no, not just you. I just mean like, it's the, you know, I mean, look at what's going on right now. I mean, we have the Republican yeah. uh, national convention happening. I mean, I know tonight, I think Trump spoke for over an hour or something like that. Oh, did he? And then yeah. you've had, you know, and the DNC, the, yeah, the Democratic Natural Convention was just prior to this one. And both of them are just weird, like, roasts of each other, <laughs> you know? And it's just, yeah. they're, they're just basically just, they're both having these weird elements of, of like, trying to pander and, and trying to pull in as many votes as they can. I mean, you know, the the Republican convention had a lot of fear mongering and the Democratic convention had a lot of like, you know, basically stooping down to, um, you know, at the level of, of name calling and and essentially things like that, where it's not like I wanted to hear more of like, no, no, no what's the policies what's happening? You know, like, how are we going to do this? Right. There's a, there's a lot of like um, uh, definition by negation, right, rather than uh, definition by affirmation. What are you for rather than what are you against? Right, exactly. And I think, too, so it's like this all kind of boils down to the new way that we are thinking about politics. And like you said, the distrust, the distrust that's going on, you know, with politics and, and how this all connects back to this to this conspiracy. But for me personally, I just don't I mean, this this is going to be a spoiler alert, but I just don't believe that the religion that people follow, the, a god or, or, or demons or, or Satan or all of these different things, I just don't, I just, I believe that to be magical thinking like you mentioned earlier. And I get, you know, the need to want to believe in something, you know, the, the, the nature of faith and, and community. And I understand, and as we talked about, you know, before Ian, that we can be sympathetic to some people that believe this because of the benefits that they've received from it. However... Overall, you know, there is there is a danger to that, which I know, like, you know, there's 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 people that have, you know, what Christopher Hitchens is, a, is somebody that comes to mind of who's been a, a huge advocate or proponent of, of trying to explain the dangers of, of religious thinking, um, you know, and I know that there's people like Sam Harris that's also in that camp. But so for me, it's that element of it where I, I just think that it all breaks down and it's all kind of. It's it's all kind of bullshit, but it's it's also like look at all the product they're selling. Is it weird that they have like t-shirts that are selling? I mean, and they have like a brand it's, now. I mean, it's not weird. I mean, look at the you know this is again this is not equivalent. Let me just say this: it's not equivalent. But look at the NBA, for example. Despite them just canceling uh, because of the, the recent shooting of that uh, black man in was that Wisconsin? I'm sorry. I, I, I don't remember, but um, you know, all right. the NBA on all the NBA jerseys, uh, they all have black lives matter on the back, you know? So it's like, it's like a brand now that's being sold, you know? And so the same thing with QAnon, I mean, again, I'm sorry, that sounds cynical, but with QAnon, it's very similar, you know, where it's just like, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is sort of the age that we live in now. It's, it's capitalism. It's online. You know, we need to get our name out there somehow. And if people are willing to believe this, then we can sort of sell yeah, but a product. But, you but know, to push to back on that, though, I, I get what you're saying, but to kind of push back on that, you're you're kind of equating a movement to a conspiracy, you know. And I and I get your your link Wait, here is is well, just, okay. Then let me ask you this. Sorry to interrupt, but what, why why don't you think that QAnon, however conspiratorial it is, and again, this is me not saying that that Black Lives Matter is conspiratorial or anything like that, but why don't you think that QAnon is a similar movement or has a it, or is a kind of movement. Let me ask you that. 
Well, I mean, I guess I wouldn't discredit that the people that believe QAnon feel it to be a movement, Mm -hmm. you know, but for me, I think the difference breaks down and maybe this is personal to what I believe. Like, you know, I believe that systematic racism is a thing. You know, I believe that there is a wealth imbalance. There's a there's a quality of life imbalance and there are certain demographics of people that are being affected worse than other demographics of people so the to me the information that i've read and the research i've done makes coherent sense about the change within the black lives Matter movement that they're trying to make and then with QAnon, you know again just this religious kind of element of satanic cults and and for me again like we, we talked about this with debunking conspiracy theorists or theories it's the this idea that you know, people love to talk. And the reason why we know about real conspiracy theories is because people don't know how to shut their mouths. And especially there's people that look after that. So to, to, to honestly assume that the amount of people that would need to be involved in this conspiracy alone is so high that the fact that we wouldn't be able to hear anything about it, you know, up until maybe this moment that Q decided to, it just, just doesn't seem realistic. I mean, it's part of our, you know, do you, you hear what, you get what I'm saying? No, of there? course, of course. And maybe, you know, maybe um, just for some comparison here, you know, we can talk about let's talk about the satanic uh, uh, aspects of it here for a moment. So be, but before I do that, I want to I want to talk maybe about the comparisons here between other conspiracy theories. You know, we're talking about before about the about the moon landing. You know, you have JFK's assassination. You have. um other conspiracies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm blanking on some, on some other big ones. But the important thing is is that a lot of these conspiracy theories, uh, especially the moon landing and and JFK assassination, you know, you can even lump in Area 51 into that as well. Is it largely took place? 9 11. No, no, sure. Actually, yeah. That's a, that's another great example. Um, you know, mm-hmm. th- the fact is is that those largely took place before the advent of the internet. Obviously, 9 11, you know, the internet was already around, but it, it what you know, Twitter wasn't around, that sort of thing. You know, there was no Reddit. Was, there the was internet no was still in its, yeah, it was still infancy. kind of in its infancy. Yeah. Like what we consider it to be now. But, n- absolutely. but now, you know, the internet is it, it's a thing, as it turns out, and conspiracy theories can spread much more wildly in the way that. That, uh, you know, social media, social media algorithms work and the way that the Internet allows people to come together in large groups, it fuels conspiracies a lot quicker than they used to be and in much greater numbers, because I think, you know, as we've talked about, there are people who are susceptible to magical thinking. You know, they, I'm sure that a lot of them are perfectly great, nice people, smart people who are Jesus Christ. I sounded like Trump there a moment ago, but there are, you know, but there are, <laughs> but there are people who who I'm sure are perfectly well-minded people who are falling into this sort of stuff because they see it on the internet. And it's difficult to differentiate information on the internet versus things that you find in the real world that are more textual or more based in reality. And, you know, the thing is, is like with this, with QAnon specifically with its sort of satanic flair is actually, this is nothing really new. I mean, we've seen this sort of rampant, uh, uh, you know, attack on Satanism in whatever form it's allegedly are taken. You bringing, are you about to bring up the, like the Salem witch trial? No, I'm not going that far back. I feel like we've seen this. We've seen this level before. Yeah, like yeah, this is happening this again. Lich windshots are happening. Are coming. No, no, I'm not going back that far. But I'm, I'm talking about you know the sort of satanic panic in the '90s. You know, surrounding daycares. But then also later on, you know, I don't know, Josh, you're old enough to remember this, and I don't know, you probably weren't that big of a of, of a weeby nerd as I was back in the day but pokemon cards for example 
by religious parents were kept from their kids because they thought that it was pagan or satanic. Similarly, Harry Potter was also, you know, like, you know, the Harry Potter books and and the Harry Potter movies were kept away from certain children of religious families because they thought it was, you know, it was witches and wizards and Satanism, you know, and they thought that this sort of thing would lead to, uh, you know, to kids basically falling out of Christian, you know, value systems. And, I think what's so interesting about Satanism specifically is that, you know, this is again, this is not the subject of this of this episode. So excuse my other tangent here. But Satanism And also too, it's interesting that you have so much knowledge on this topic, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, I have a, I have, a, I have a lot of knowledge on a wide variety of topics as you'll as you'll You're just like, oh, let me just go and grab my Satanism encyclopedia here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I swear to God, I'm not a Satanist, except I, I learned a lot about it in, in high school. Um, so I, as I'm sure Joshua won't be surprised at all. But um, nope. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, the thing with, with Satanism is, is that what it represents for a lot of people uh, who, who I, I don't want to say who are Satanists, but but what it represents for people who know about it is that it represents more of a kind of freedom, a freedom from uh, religion, a freedom from government there was there's just freedom is sort of the overall main theme that comes along with satanism and obviously that has um that it 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 becomes an opponent of christianity and other types of religious thinking because conservative religious people are very much about order and making sure that things fall into their specific set of values you know obviously with satanism there is a these claims of debauchery and sex and rock and roll and drugs and all this kind of shit that you know religious people probably don't like um and so it makes sense that people would make this link right well they're like well if this especially with hollywood actually this is another thing too we can link maybe you know this also might come back around to anti-semitism here is that for a long time Hollywood was associated with Jewish writers, you know, for there was, you know, these blacklists of of Jewish writers who were like, you know, were believed to be part of, you know, the Soviet assets. Right. You know, this is this sort of level of McCarthyism that came out of the 50s and 60s and 70s. And Hollywood Mm -hmm. has been for a long time producing these very, you know, extravagant sort of lifestyle um you know, levels of entertainment and, and Hollywood does have a big impact on the culture. Right. And so this religious aspect criticizes that level of Hollywood because of its voyeurism, its exploitationism and it's, it's entertainment value because it's pushing these values that aren't necessarily Christian or at least the type of religion that they want it to be. And so again, I think that's why the Jeffrey Epstein thing is so interesting or Harvey Weinstein even where they are part mm-hmm. of the, they could be right. According to some QAnon supporters, they could be part of this larger cabal of entertainers who are trying to push the world in a specific direction, maybe away from God, maybe away from other type of Christian values as, as I've been mentioning. And so I just, I, you know, again, this comes back to the type of religious magical thinking where you want to make these links because you know, I, I, I've met I've met pastors and preachers in real life, you know, in at churches who talk about the evil that is in the world. They literally talk about the evil that's in the world. I'm sure you've met people similar to this, where they know in their hearts that there is evil out there. And, you know, maybe people, you know, maybe, you know, your local preacher isn't a QAnon supporter, but you could probably believe it if he said so. Am I right? So... 
I just think that well, sure, you know, and it's also and again, it's 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 difficult to you know because you're you're bordering something that's that's difficult to approach, and this is the yeah. idea of break of breaking down the the innate concept of good and evil, you know, and and wondering if that even exists, you know, as some people pointed out certain aspects of nature there is no kind of good or evil there's like survival you know and there, there's instinct and there's there's things that are connected but then you can what are you describing me Josh? emotional <laughs> <laughs> but then you get the human emotional element to it and think about this everything that we understand is dualistic like it's just you know our experiences are, are are done dually we we compare them you know and contrast them in a dualistic fashion we have like coke or pepsi we have like you know we have apple or or, or, or and google and you know we have you know, Facebook or Twitter. And now we're starting to see that we have like these kind of, you know, dualities all over the place, you know, North and South, East and what, uh, East and West, up and down, <laughs> you know, all these, di- Good you know, all these different yeah, things. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and so for me though, just the, this concept of, of again, trying to create order to this chaos of, of labeling this, this, these things of good and labeling other things of bad, you know, and for me, I prefer to structure the system that way. I think, you know, for the for the concept of ethics and morality and something that I'm, you know, super, super important. As you know, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person. Almost and, too empathetic. You know, <laughs> you, yeah, you give me crap for that all the time. But the thing is, is that that aspect of it, I think that it's there's moments where it's a clear divide of, of makes sense to me to break things in, in the concepts of good and evil where it doesn't break down is is again because it's still in its in its origins this idea of ordering the chaos of of nature and of of life it's it's where does it go too far and we keep trying to find more things of order because maybe sometimes evil itself that we've labeled it because we understand that it's morally different from what we are going to say is acceptable you know maybe there's not more deep connected links you know we're trying to make links and links and links and links when it's just like these people could be evil just on their own accord you know and and that's where you get into the idea of how many people are involved in it like what makes more sense you know does it make more sense that trump you know essentially just stumbled his way into the presidency (laughs) and is a buffoon or or there is a multi-leveled government conspiracy and he was somehow imported into politics, you know, in order to cause direct chaos as a diversion, you know, to fight the deep state and to expose the satanic rituals that are going See, on. It was funny there, Josh, for a moment, you sounded like, um, you sounded like a Republican <laughs> because the way the way that you're you know you were sort of criticizing that idea sounded like the Democrats during the Russia investigation. Um, yeah, you know it's I know. Uh, you know what's 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 funny about that though is that the fact that like this this goes on both sides right of the political spectrum. It is not just people who are super religious or super conservative, you know, who fall into sort True. of thing. It's it's the I think it's just the fact of the matter that people want to make links and connections. Now, with the Russian investigation, for example, I'm not going either way. I mean, it's clear that Russia had something to do with tampering our election in some way, whether it's social media influence or their you know connection with the Trump campaign. I gotcha. Like there's there's some evidence there that makes me nervous of 2020. Right. Um, however, I'm not going to go so far as to say that Russia, like, you know, Trump is a puppet of Putin, right? I'm, I'm not going to say that because I don't know and I don't think it's true. Um, but it is just interesting that people will go go to extreme lengths 
to make these connections. And, you know, with, you know, with other conspiracies as well, you know, the fact that people do think that there was this, you know, this global network, right. Or a cabal where, where these people in power are all sort of pulling, uh, you know, events and, and people at the strings. And I think that has something to do with our history, right? Because, you know, early civilizations, I think the way w that they became as successful as they did, you know, we go back to Mesopotamia, right? And like we have this big uptick of agriculture and domestication of animals and you were able to build cities and have large amounts of, of irrigation and like eventually you had large amounts of trade and then civilizations just blew up and expanded, right? Well, the thing is, is like a mm -hmm. lot of that had to do. In a nutshell. Yeah, yes, in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that was that's not the only way that happened. And it's not <laughs> by no means covering exactly um, how those things happen. Look at Ian here, just dropping absolute truths, <laughs> right. just left and right slinging yeah, maybe them. Maybe I'm cute. Um, no, so it's, you know, the, yeah. the, the reason why these, these civilizations were able to come together in a nutshell was because there were probably some smart people you know, who got together and tried to order this in a specific way. They're like, okay, like this worked, this didn't. Like if we, if these crops come up this year, we can trade with that city over there, that sort of thing. And then the civilization just builds and builds and builds because there was sort of, there are hierarchies in nature that happen, whether or not you like them or not. And they allow people to structure governments and, 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 and public policy in order to get things moving in a particular direction that they or others, you know, whether uh, by themselves or, or in groups think that civilization or, or at least their own civilization should, you know, go in a certain direction. And so, with with QAnon, it it seems to me that again, like I don't, I mean, I don't know what the motivation would be, aside from just being a disgusting human being. You know, when it comes to to human and child sex trafficking, like what what benefit that would have for a type of of new world order or other government conspiracy. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, okay, sure. Maybe adrenochrome is making people look young, but then why do some of these politicians just get so old? Like, okay. You know, so I, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this in a previous podcast, but just look how much Obama aged in his time. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think like, that's just what the office of the presidency does to a human being, but um, yeah, I just, you know, like, again, the motivation is, is really important to me here because you have to ask yourself, why? Why would these people be doing this sort of thing? Is it just for money? Is it just for power? I tend to think, you know, like, okay, people get into politics, probably not to benefit, like, the public. You know, let's be honest here. Like, you know, unless you're, like, you're running for your local city government, you're like, you know what? I'm going to change my neighborhood. You know, there's a lot of scum there. I'm going to, I'm going to clean it up or, you know, like our parks are in, are in a really bad shape. I'm going to go in. And I'm going to try and change this, uh, you know, on a small scale. Sure. You're, I'm sure you're trying to benefit your neighbors. Um, but uh, on the, on the, on the federal level and on, you know, national level in general, like you're probably just getting into politics because it, you know, it's a bit of a power trip or at least once you get in it and you're in it for a little bit, you're like, Oh yeah. Like, I want to be a congressman for the rest of my life, not because I can do anything better. Right. That's the only, that's <laughs> the only angle that I was going to say is the only thing that seems intuitionally more realistic. And from my standpoint would be, I think a lot of these people innately 
got into politics with the fire and the drive to help people. Sure. You know, at least whenever way, shape, or form that they believe. And then, of course, once you get into politics, you know, you can understand that, like, look, when you have a two-party system, and I know that we have more than two parties, as we have, you know, a lot of third-party candidates. You know, candidates, the two, we'll the two parties up. that have the biggest drive in the country, it's not wrong to say that. Yeah, yeah. thank you. I was going to say, we'll, 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 I was going to say, we'll have that fight in another podcast. But <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but, you know, when you have those t- those two biggest parties, they, they counterbalance each other, where they usually often rotate, yeah. where, like, if you have Very a true. bad... Bad, you know, if you have a bad Republican president, you end up with a Democratic president. If you have a bad Democratic president, you normally end up with a Republican president. It's very rare that if if one president is viewed unpopular, that the the type of the a president candidate of the same party for the next year is going to be elected. So when we have so much flip flopping, and then we have you know as we've learned where it hasn't always been this dramatic, but the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are they're they're basically going further, further, further apart with what they yeah. believe in. You know, then it's like one administration might do something and then the next administration comes in and completely wipes that out. You know, so how can progress be made when when we have spent the past like four years, Trump has spent a past four years. A lot of focus has been on just trying to roll back certain things that were put into place during the. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when when Obama tried to. Sorry, but I'll I'll say this here real quick and give it back to you. Or even before. I was just going to say even further than that, like, you know, the NATO and stuff like that was built under different presidencies, even further back. But I mean, with with Obama, for example, I mean, you had the you had Obamacare, right? The the Affordable Health Care Act, where Republicans pushed and pushed back for years and years and years. And then even after his presidency, you know, they're like, oh, we got to get rid of fucking Obamacare. And it's like, they just never did, of course, you know, but it's just like, you know, like really that's going to be your defining, defining thing or the Iran nuclear deal. You know, like Trump is like, oh, I'm going to undo that because I, you know, I'm not my predecessor. I'm going to do everything uh, reverse of what he did, things like that. Um, Same thing with Obama and Bush, right? right? You know, like Bush tried to, or Obama tried to undo things that Bush did, especially with the economy. And then Bush tried to undo things that Clinton did. So, I mean, it it is just sort of cyclical in that nature. Right. And so, and when you have that, I can see that it could be very difficult or even talking about, you know, the things that we've spoken about Mitch McConnell in the past of how, you know, like he stops bills, you know, and how many bills he has on his desk and just like, how can you not join that, you know, and then see the frustration of, of how difficult it is to make meaningful change. And then you might start with realizing that, you know what, I have to, I have to get support. That's the right. only way. And how you get support is in, in, in politics is the game of attention, very much like social media is. You know, like you, you and I do a podcast. We are in the attention-based mm-hmm. market. We are legitimately trying to get people to pay attention to what we're doing. And the more people that we get to pay attention to us, the you know, the the more opportunities that we yeah, get. Sure. And I think that politics is identical yeah. to that. And so, by the way, please download and, listen, and to... please share this amongst your friends, listeners. <laughs> um, you know, share. But this podcast. is why I think this is where I'll. Yeah, it's difficult for me to say this, but this is where I'll give Donald Trump credit oh, no. because he essentially. He essentially was like he went hard into the populist mind frame and he basically just kind of went, you know, hey, you I'm trying to root out all this negativity, you know, like he sensed like the uneasiness and the distrust of the government or whoever, maybe his campaign advisor or whoever is in his orbit that told him that he should run for president and go off of that. Because I, you know, I am could be dead honest and, and not even realize that, that wasn't his idea, just somebody that was close to him, um, possibly. But he took advantage of that and essentially built this repertoire of, 
I'm going to stop this drain the swamp, quote unquote. Right. And anybody that opposes me is only saying that because they they know that it's true and they don't want me to to do that. I mean, that's populist textbook one hundred one. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it's, just, it's also it the also the fuels answer. the conspiracy, right? Even further, right? The fact that like that's what the, I was getting okay, to. Thank good. you. That's what the I was going to get like, to. He said that like if I don't win the election, then it's rigged. It's like what? Who would fucking say that shit? You know, the you know, like the fact that he's just like, you know what, if, you know, if I, maybe I lose, you know, in 2020 is like, maybe I don't leave. What? What? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's like just the kind of maybe uh, maybe uh, maybe I should have another four years because they spied on my first. Yeah. Four, or, and you're like, yeah, excuse like, me. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, or like, you know, like at, at the um, at the first uh, day he spoke at the RNC, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Republican convention, you know, people were shouting 12 more years. What in the goddamn fuck? Right. I mean, like, Trump, you know, the, the thing I probably could go into Trump. Right I don't even know. We're going to cover that. I know we're on QAnon and I know that we got to stay focused. Right. Here. I know we're a little rust. I mean, it is kind of it is topical because, right. again, the main proponent and the main push of QAnon is the idea that Trump is the and person you know who was sent in to fix I these mean, issues. All, so it is relatable there. All, all things being equal, you know, as much this is as, almost as much sympathy as I could give to Trump. Trump is a complete buffoon. And I'm sure, Q, like I'm sure he has no idea what QAnon is. I'm sure you know. I'm sure he's heard the phrase. No, but he has a simple moral structure, though. He has a simple moral sure. structure of if if they praise me, then it's yeah, good. exactly. And if they don't praise me, then it's right. bad. You know, all they have to do is bow down, and like you know, he's like, oh great, I, these people, they're great. Um, and but the, but that's the thing though is that Trump, uh, you know, he he just has to say crazy shit. And people are like, oh, that means something. Oh, like this is, you know, like when he said the calm before the storm thing, for example, that we brought before. Like, I'm sure he just said that because it's like, oh, this sounds cool. Right. You know, like I'm just trying to be I'm just trying to be edgy or what, you know, God knows what goes through his head. Probably fucking nothing. Um, but, you know, when he says that sort of thing, <laughs> like it just it enrages and sorry, not enrages, but it fuels conspiracies, especially people in QAnon. Because they look at that and these – again, these the people that we're talking about here that try to make links where there may not be. Like, oh, OK. Tr- you know, there's Trump even a few people – there's even a language. few people that think that – yeah, there's even a few people that believe that Trump himself might be Q. Oh, God. I so wish that would be true. That would just be – oh, my God. Another the best thing in the fucking world. <laughs> and uh, it's just another, another popular uh, a Q theory is that it is um, – it's basically John F. Kennedy Jr. Um, he's the real Q, and his death in 1999 was faked. Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, people will think all sorts of things, won't they? I mean, you know, it's like... So this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's bizarre. You know, it's, like, it's, you know, there's before, a lot of... Before we started recording the podcast, Josh sent me this um, article. Unfortunately, I did. I couldn't stand the original article, so I had to go to the source. Uh, but he... <laughs> it was the fact that these people... It, God, where, where was it in... In Wisconsin, I, again, I don't remember the original state, uh, where people wanted uh, uh, solar panels to not be put up in their area. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to bring this up because I just I think it's now. relevant here. They thought, you know, now granted, like the headline is a little misleading. It, it's a little bit later down sure. on in the in the original essay where where it, it comes up, but people thought they didn't want these solar panels, even though. There were three other, I believe, solar farms that were already approved and about to be built. But this fourth one, there were people that were expressing um, uh, their opposition to it because, you know, there was one woman who said, it's like, look, you know, 
I don't think these things are very good for the environment, the solar panels themselves, because, you know, the grass and plants aren't growing near them. You know, they're starting to die. And, you know, when she, she said that she asked engineers and the, the builders who were putting these up, like, do these things cause cancer? And they said that nobody would answer her, even though I'm sure they did. Um, or probably told her, no, they don't cause cancer. And it probably wasn't a good enough answer for her. And then later on, there was somebody, a, a school science teacher. This is what really irks me who thought that the, that the solar panels would take away the energy from the sun. Uh, and we wouldn't have enough energy for it. And it's like, okay. Um, you know, I, it's just <laughs> like, it's that sort of thing. Where people have a real misunderstanding of the science, right? For you know, for one, and th- they see this, you know, like okay, with plants not growing around solar panels, like that, I can understand because you know you're probably doing a lot of a lot of digging. You're probably you know when you're building them, there's probably excess material that's falling into the ground that's probably making plants harder to grow. It's not that they are causing plants to not grow themselves, but it's just you know in or yeah, or the the land might be you know either tilled or, or leveled or, or right. done differently in order to. Make or, sure the solar panels with, are all on the right yeah, level. Or with and, the cancer, for example, you know this this is a stretch, and I'm, it's a big it's a big stretch. But the you know the solar panels are absorbing a lot of the sun's energy. What what comes in with the sun's energy is um, ultraviolet waves, and we know that ultraviolet waves can cause skin cancer. And it could be the fact that the material that is absorbing, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but the material that is absorbing the sun's energy might be reflecting back some of the uv rays and if you're exposed to the the area for a long period of time maybe maybe you might get cancer but i highly doubt it i highly doubt it so uh, this is me being charitable regardless the point that i'm making here is that people see things that they don't understand right like we were talking about earlier they see chaos in the world and they want to understand it they're like well i think this is bad for us so let's just get let's just not do it and i I just I'm worried that people just don't take the time to really ask, you know, like, is this am I thinking about this the right way? The one thing I'll the last thing I'll say on this and I'll I'll throw it back over to you. But again, going back to this uh, rabbit hole podcast that we talked about before on the podcast with the woman who was being interviewed about being formally associated with QAnon or or former um, follower of that whole conspiracy theory. You know, she knew that something was amiss. When they started, you know, when Q started talking about scripture and with the military, she's like, ah, that doesn't actually go together. So now I'm starting to question all of this. You know, people like her are really what are really the type of people that we need, you know, who actually have some type of pragmatic grasp on the world a little bit and see things like, okay, well, I'm a part of this community. I like that. You know, I see that, you know, there's, I see Q is making, is giving these explanations for things that are going around the world and they sort of make sense. But the fact that I have some personal experience in dealing with things that are out in the world, it could be anything. That's what we really need. I think a lot of these people who are more prone to conspiratorial thinking, I don't know. And, th- and I'm, and I'm sorry if this is, like stepping on some people's toes, but I don't know if these people have that much of real world experience in seeing how maybe large scale things come together. If that makes sense, you know, it's like, 
I you mean, know, if, if yeah, you, th- yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it's like, yeah. um, what's a good example? Anthrax. Okay. Do you remember this after, after nine 11, there was this big scare that anthrax was going to be sent out into the mail and like being sent to specific people's right. homes. Um, actually being able to mail something like that is incredibly difficult, especially if you don't know. And, and, and it makes it more believable, especially if you don't know how the postal service works. And so it's that sort of thing where people don't really have that big of understanding of how just things in the world work that maybe makes it easier to believe in sort of that stuff. I know that was tangenty, but I'll, I'll throw about, I'll throw that everything back over to you. No, no, you're totally fine. I mean, tangenty has been your, uh, it's been, your, your yeah, for tonight. For yeah. Episode, for definitely. So definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, you're, you're on, your mind is like, I feel like you just, you, you maybe that scotch is kicking in. You're having <laughs> right. good thought. You, you just, well, Josh, I mean, I'm on, I'm your on brain to my is just like, as well. So, I mean, Oh yeah, there we go. So you know, I, I for me, I just thought it was important to talk about QAnon because essentially because it is it is a piece of a puzzle to yeah. I think what's what's largely going on. Okay, we've we've talked about the influence of social media and what's that what's what that is doing to us collectively when it comes to our psyches and what we're believing and not believing the news that we're digesting. You know, looking at you know like. Greg Luglianoff and Jonathan Haidt and 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 um and uh, the calling of American Mind and and their breakdown of of different aspects of what's happening with with their culture and and how all of these things are kind of coming together and this this concept of being in an environment where you know we're not being exposed to to you know fantastical or or, or differing ideas enough to be able to kind of critically think or be skeptic around building our own kind of beliefs. And I think this is maybe, you know, if I'm being more charitable, what you mean by kind of real world experience from these people is, 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 is combating that sort of conflict and trying to handle that in a, in a, in a different way. And like you being a, you know, for you having a degree in philosophy, you know, you were put into an environment where you had to constantly, you know, be cynical and critique and, 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 and be exposed to many, many, many Precisely, different ideas. Yeah. So, and I understand like for you, that makes it kind of a little bit easier to interpret. And this is why for me, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, I, I'm somebody who I'm definitely progressive. I'm, you know, you, you joke about me being socialist. There's definitely a lot of socialistic kind of models that I, that I'm again. intuitionally He's tiptoeing around more, being an actual <laughs> shut up. <laughs> What I am saying, though, is that, like, there are models of the progressive agenda that I kind of uh, agree with that I think make logical sense outside of the noise that's being made from from people that might be on, you know, the more energetic and and boisterous left. You know, the one the one that is often used as Republican counter talking points or or the other the opposition's counter talking points. And so for me, it's this this weird area of, you know, when you have one person that you believe is being absurd, you know, the fact that you can shut down an entire belief, an entire structure of of what could be possible for the human race just seems bizarre to me. And, and, And I'll give credit where credit's due. Vice versa. There are people out there that are conservative Republican that that believe that their way of of running the world is would be the most beneficial, and that I can see where they're frustrated. Where if you have somebody who is these alt right people that are that are getting crazy, their whole ideology is being judged by the you know on those sure. people. So for Q, you know, if we're noticing that the squeaky wheel gets the oil, that we're all we're paying attention to is the loudest voices. Maybe not the most clear voices, maybe not the most thoughtful voices, but the loudest on either side. 
you know, we're just, we're continually attuned to that and we continually fall prey to that. And QAnon to me is a loud voice and it's getting louder. And that's the trouble. You know, I believe, you know, something in the, the PBS news hour said there's, you know, loosely 20 different people that are close to office or that hold office that have in one way, shape or another, either like a, um, belief in QAnon or Q or, or an acceptance of it and hoping that it's true. Like just a, or I guess a better word of sympathy, yeah. you know, a, a stronger sympathy towards it. And so, you know, it's just making its way into politics. It's making its way into our culture. And it's just interesting to see the, you know, what's going to happen, you know, cause I feel like there's a solid degradation happening here and, and it, it's, it's all a proponent of this hosh posh, of of content that we're we're digesting and i feel like q is right in the center yeah definitely of that. and you know what too let me just say that i think you know we're all susceptible and guilty of of making links where there may or may not be any i mean you know josh you know as a marxist i'm sure you you see links of, of how evil evil capitalism <laughs> is but all joking aside i mean myself I mean, seriously, I, as you know, I, I've, I've admitted this on the podcast before, so it shouldn't be any news, but to anybody who's, you know, first time listening, I myself identify strongly with Nietzsche's views of, uh, of the world and philosophy and psychology. And, you know, I myself see links to this kind of pervasive nihilism in the world that I deeply worry about. And, I wouldn't have been made aware of that if I hadn't have read works of Nietzsche. Now, that's not, that's not to say that I don't read other people, other philosophers. It's not to say that I don't take influences from other places, you know, especially mo more modern thinkers. But when I see the things that Nietzsche has said, I mean, we talked about this in our second nihilism episode, actually, where Josh asked questions about the essay that I wrote, um, nihilism and our present moment. And, I made very clear links between things that are happening in the you know 20th and 21st century that Nietzsche talked about when it came to uh, diagnosing uh, European nihilism and how it might affect uh, other um, other countries and other nations in in centuries to come. And so I take that very seriously. I could be completely fucking wrong, but the fact that it that I right. it has a, such a strong resonance with me. And the fact that I identify with his, you know, Nietzsche's sort of uh, psychology in a way, like I, I find that really valuable. And I, that's usually the, the lens that I critique um, things, whether it, it's in politics or whether it's in culture or some or or, or social issues. That's that's how I view the world in in a lot of respects. And so similarly, you know, with Josh, you know, this is this is me not being, you know, just so our listeners know, um, Josh is in on the joke, but this is not me being facetious. When Josh views things in a more of a progressive lens i'm sure that josh you see some you know things whether it could be black lives matter it could be the way that republicans um treat their base or talk about their base i'm sure that you see things where you are going to be looking at things in a more of a progressive lens and so you make links where you think there are that does not it's not to say that you're right it's not to say that you're wrong it's just the fact that we are all susceptible to making these sort of links and the big problem with QAnon to bring this back here is that people again like we said early at the top of the top of the episode people like um the congressional ca uh, candidate uh, marjorie taylor green who may or may not be a, a huge follower of QAnon, but the fact that she has promoted some similar ideas obviously says a lot but with her making these links 
it just goes to show you the growth at which that kind of conspiracy will take. And it shows you that people are taking it more and more seriously. And the fact that a, a serious member of, of a state's Congress can take it seriously. How far will that go? I mean, again, you know, I, you know, like I think you've said earlier, you know, we don't want to fall into the slippery slope, uh, sort of fallacious thinking, but it does make you worry, right? Like, okay. If, if more of these people, for example, take office, Trump, for example, if he was a smart person and believed in this sort of shit, that would be fucking scary, right? Because he might like try to root out right. other people. And, and the thing is, though, and the one thing I do want to unpack for just a second here, and I and I'm not saying that you mean this, but what you just said it could come off this way. Like the it's not a negative thing 100 percent of the time that we create these links, right? That we build these links in into our thinking, and and, and of course because. How we learn for the first however many years of our lives, and I was just talking about this with my, you know, with one of my best friends, I think earlier today, where I was just saying that, like, I think back to what I was at 16 and how I viewed the world just through my own emotional experience and context. Like, I did not think outside of my own bubble. And, you know, the more you and I have been doing this podcast, the more, you know, open to the world that I am just based on my own experience and realize how many a school my own experience actually is when it comes to kind of understanding these huge grandiose topics or concepts, you know, and how you have to factor in everybody's experience, you know, and, and understanding and making connections. And so this kind of opening up, you know, didn't happen for me until much later in life. Some people don't even have that realization. Yeah. And so like, it's difficult when you, when you just go on your anecdotal experience, but I still use aspects of my anecdotal experience, you know, to create these theories, the, the difference that I think that has to happen here is, you know, looking back into the role model of science where you have the scientific method, you have a hypothesis, then you come up with an experiment to, to, you know, to collect data to either prove or disprove. And then you run the experiments, you collect the data, you review the data, and you either see if your hypothesis is, is, you know, is closer to being correct or false. And then if it's not, you change and then it's peer reviewed and you have all these you know different kind of connection aspects to it. And I feel like that those things don't really haven't bled over into into more cultural ways of understanding, but maybe they should. You know, if I hear a th- if I hear a conspiracy theory or thing or things going on, it's like you want to know what like you said, there are danger and links. What separates those the, the danger from the non-danger is if you are claiming to make a link, then it's your job to have some sense of data to to compare that link to to see if that link holds water at all you know sure. overall outside of this i want it to be true and i believe it to be true this is why you know you had made a comment that it's not only just religious thinkers you know or magical thinkers that are attached to QAnon. and although i agree with that the reason why i hound in on that is just because of the solid link and similarities you know of of the bible you know verses that are that have now been you know, done by Q and, and the community and the, and the following and, and the way that it's structured and, and the way that it's kind of painting Trump as a Messiah figure. Um, you know, if I, if I can go as far as to say that, yeah, then, definitely. like there's, there's just this kind of underbelly of that, that, that I worry about. And that, and that I'm just curious to know that if we, if we're going to be able to essentially 
grow and and try to look at things with a more critical eye or a more skeptical eye and and not in a negative way but just in a more of trying to understand how we want to view things moving forward yeah for sure i i do you know this is not a not a huge worry of mine but i but i do think it will be uh an uphill battle i mean you know the the type of thing that we do and and many other people do not just you know i'm not saying as podcasters but the way that we attempt to think about the world obviously we have our biases you know we just you know talked about like the the specific type of lenses that we view that we often view the world Uh, but what comes along with that is a is a kind of skepticism you know we've talked about that before on the podcast where you know in order to think critically about an issue you know you have to bring out a a level of skepticism because you don't want to just assume that the that the most prominent narrative is the right one but the issue with being more skeptical about that sort of thing is that, you know, when when somebody comes to you with an answer, right, to a problem, you know, it could be in politics, it could be in science, it could be anything, you know, like with, um, uh, you know, with the post office uh, box removals that have been going on that we talked about on our NBS News last time, you know, I... Right. You know, I, I brought up the the question to my wife about it. I was like, okay, what what do you think is actually going on? And then she, you know, she gave me a few things saying, you know, it, it was it was like mixed in with data, and then her opinion. And so I started to ask questions because I'm just that kind of inquisitive person. But I realize, you know, and I've I've, I've realized this more and more every day, is that when you are skeptical of not of not of people, but but skeptical of narratives and and certain answers, people are defensive. You know, they they hear you be skeptical. They're like, well, why 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 wouldn't you believe me? Or or why wouldn't you believe that this thing that's happening is true? You know, sort of like the with Black Lives Matter again. And I I hate to harp on this because I'm truly sympathetic uh, to the people who are supporting of the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, because I I don't like police brutality at all, um, and I think that black people shouldn't be gunned down in the streets. I shouldn't be. I sh- I don't think that anybody in the streets should be gunned down by police. Um, but you know, there is this propensity to want to believe a certain narrative about about the way the police work, about systematic racism, all that sort of thing. And Black Lives Matter have, you know, I think a fairly coherent and specific message that that you're saying. But when you ask questions about it, you know, you could be again, I'm just saying, like, I'm in I'm in grand support of their overall ideas. Right. Like, I don't want black people to be killed in the street for nothing. Um, you, you know, I don't want people to be killed in general, but when you start asking questions like, well, okay, well, how does, how does this link up? How does that, you know, blah, blah, blah. People can be really defensive about that. And they don't, they don't, people don't want questions to be asked about their individual movements. It's like with QAnon, you know, you, you know, if you question the fact that there are child sex trafficking, I mean, it's hard to deny the facts, right? That there is child sex trafficking. Like we know the data. Um, and so when you start to question the motives and the narratives, then all of a sudden you're the bad guy. When you ask questions, you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm just trying to understand what's going on here. I'm trying to understand your motivations. I'm trying to understand why you think this way. Um, that's why I think it's an uphill battle is because even if just asking questions, all of a sudden you're you might be viewed as, as the bad guy in this situation or bad girl. <laughs> You know, I, I see what you're saying, and, and and don't get me wrong. I understand the link that you're making, and you're not trying to degrade, you know, the movement. You're you're essentially just trying to make a point that 
there you, you there's a nervousness that you have if i'm going to generalize this for a second you have a nervousness of of skepticism you know it, it's got to be something that could be universally applied to given topics and the nervousness of it being an effective tools because right now there are specific like particular topics to a certain demographic of people that if you have any sort of skeptical eye on it, you know, it, it, it therefore defaults you to not believing it or, or being the exact or believing the exact opposite of it. Sure. You know, and, and this connection of beliefs. And I think this is where, you know, this is where Antifa can get brought back into it too, because, you know, when you and I had talked about Andy, no, and oh, yeah. we got into some trouble there, you know, we were just, and again, I had to do with like that housekeeping. And I love that one guy that still emailed me. who was just like, Hey man, I have no idea what's going on, but like, well, well said. And I was like, thanks dude. But, <laughs> right. um, but I was trying to say that like critiquing that one moment does not mean that we disagree with the movement or we or we or or the opposite does not mean that I agree with anything that Andy Noah said or done because I don't you know I, I don't agree with what he's written but I still don't believe that that one incident that have happened so we, we had to make clear because there has been this you're right this connection of because we defended the that action a we were basically called out for being like you know Antifa means anti-fascist so if you're not anti-fascist then you're pro-fascist uh-huh. you know that black and white thinking that like it's it's one way or the other and then secondly this concept of defending him meant that we've supported what he believed you know and so i i guess there's aspects of that that i can understand but maybe that's why you start small ian because i i think about i'm not posting on facebook or these these things these big questions what i'm doing is i'm going to my friends or my family like you know you've been a big influence because you do think about things differently so i'll i still to this day maybe because we've been talking so long in this podcast but i'll read an article and something will like intuitionally trigger with me and the moment i go wow that makes sense i go mm, let me read that again though and let me see, like, through Ian's perspective, you know, what, what he's, you know, and then sure. I'll read it. And then so I almost, in you know, instinctually, I check myself because I know the way that you think that, like, I know that if I or if I don't know, I either send it to you. That's true. You know, just curious. Yeah. Like, as you know, I'll, I'll be like, I'll send it to you. And then I'm just curious to know what you're going to say. And like, I also play a game of like predict, you know, predict what Ian's going to grump about. Because <laughs> you, know, you usually. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do. But I think too this. Things, yeah. <laughs> but this gets back into your catchphrase of why you make everybody miserable is because you just you innately and maybe even too much. So I guess if we're being honest, but like you, you do <laughs> always have this skeptical lens. And, and I think that there's different ways to go about it. So like for, sure. for me. You know, there's ways to ask questions and try to learn. You know, like I said, this whole idea of you know, replacing curiosity uh, with judge or replacing judgment with curiosity. Yeah. No, don't do that. Don't replace. <laughs> don't replace curiosity. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want everybody to not be curious and just be judgmental. <laughs> now, that's going to solve. Well, you know, yeah, Josh, th- maybe, that's maybe what I, I don't want. Maybe say. I can echo a little bit with, with what you're saying. I know I've brought up this example before, but when I, you know, on Twitter, <laughs> I, you know, I tend to just get into issues on Twitter with people, you know, but I, again, Mm -hmm. I I brought up this example before in the podcast, when I was online defending the Colette, the online magazine, you know, I, there was these people who were sharing an article that was unrelated to the actual question. And then they said, they're like, oh, well, Colette, you know, they're just, you know, proponents of phrenology, you know, like race science, like the study of skull sizes and, and like going back to early, early racist science. And I was like, you know, it was just the fact that I questioned their 
reasons for saying that i'm like okay well can you link to a specific article that defends phrenology can you like where and what who said it all this kind of thing and instead of any type of reasonable response to me i was just attacked by the mob on twitter it was like this person's follow you know all these person you know i i asked one person on it who had a large following and then all of his followers just piled on and eventually got to this point. It's right. Like, but this is kind of like, and if, if we're going to get down this route here, if we're going to down this route here, I just want to say, I don't know. It's, it's funny to me because you can make the statement. You can literally go, you know, we, 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 we did that episode about the, the limits of reason, right? Sure. You know, sure. remember that episode. Yeah, yeah. And we talked a lot about Sam. So we talked a lot about Sam Harris and how he'll say things and not really understand like the emotional connection or the response to that and how you were starting to understand those things. Right. And, and like, I made the joke of he'll say something. I, I can't believe why he doesn't do this. And so for me, it's just funny that you, you know, can, can hop on there and, you know, continue to do these things and just be like, <laughs> I just don't understand why they're connecting the dots here because there's an emotional response yeah, to it. Yeah. And so you're not even like I learning know, from your own mistakes. You're right. So you're right. I mean, you're the last right. thing I know. it, And the last thing I'm going to say on that point, just because it like that popped in my head, this is why I think that when we, when we learn to ride a bike, we don't, I mean, maybe some of us, but a majority <laughs> of us can't just hop on. A, <laughs> Josh, are you blind that some people have never learned how to ride a bike? <laughs> A, I'm, 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 well, I'm implying two things. One, that they're very possible that there could be children out there who never learned how to ride a bike. And two, um, I'm the, the, the metaphor I'm got to use is like, we don't know how to ride a two wheeled bike. So we have training wheels to teach us. And I said, maybe not because I do know that there's some people that probably just zipped on a bike and, and, and sure. went off without training sure. wheels. But most of us, I know I learned with training wheels. I had training wheels in the back of my bike to teach me how to balance. And then once I kind of found a balance, you didn't need the training wheels. And so this is why I think, you know, and you might call this virtue signaling, you might call this signaling general, but knowing that most people don't know how to ride this bike, you know, I might throw in a statement of being like, I can, you know, I, I agree with the underlying concept of what you mean, you know, or trying to throw in like something where you're acknowledging that like you get the intention or that you're not trying to say that you believe the opposite, but like to clarify, can you clarify a few of these points, you know, and maybe I'm again, maybe this is my false link of saying that may not be beneficial, but to me, when I talk to people, I cushion it like that because I think about that as putting on training wheels to try to keep the balance of, of, of somebody who may not know how to ride the skepticism bike if I'm going to continue with that metaphor and then eventually can get to a better sense of furthering the conversation. And in my personal experience, that's been a better approach. I've gotten further on conversations than just being like, well, why, <laughs> you know, with no, you know, the, right. just taking your well, direct. And I, and I do think it helps like trying to opening up, try to open a dialogue with somebody. Like if you, you know, if you get into, and this is, this is actually good advice. You know, if you, if you get into a conversation with somebody and they're saying some shit, you're like, Hmm, I don't know about that. You know, it's it's probably not a good idea if you want to remain friends with their friends or or whomever you're speaking with. Uh, it's probably not a good idea to just start like gaslighting them <laughs> like, no, that's bullshit. Like, you, you know, it's you probably shouldn't do that. But what helps is to just, you know, you can start with asking a few questions, but just to listen for a little while and let people air out, you know, their opinion, because if they don't feel like you could be a good interlocutor or if, if you're not a good listener, then like when you start questioning what they say, 
then they're not they're not going to want to stick around and talk to you because you're just going to come across as an asshole. Why do you think I have no friends? You know, so like you I was going to say this. I knew this. I knew that you're speaking from experience here. See, see, Ian speaking from direct experience, because I remember there are several occasions, you know, before we actually started before the podcast Uh became the podcast where, you know, we would all kind of gang up on Ian a little bit. And yeah, and and what's funny is I remember, Ian, you would get frustrated because you're not wrong. You would begin to try to explain your point, you know, and even I'm guilty of this. You'll say something that is so that that I just want to, to respond to so bad that I'll just start saying stuff and I can see your level of frustration. Like you didn't even allow me, you, you were, you know, eventually, I don't know. Was it, what, what's this, what's this from? And I know that this is sort of the source, but like the QAnon thing and anything else, it kind of reminds me, or even like what you're trying to suggest, it kind of reminds me that, you know, people look at a drop and with that drop, they believe that they understand the ocean. Oh God, where, fuck, where is that from? You and I were. I know. I just just watched, talking about this. We we're just talking about that, and Fuck. I and I was. I I don't know what that. I know what was I. I don't remember what I was watching. That that was the part God of. Damn but it, there yeah. is a recent show. Yeah. And if our listeners know, please just let us know. Or don't. Um. Because I know that we're <laughs> blanking. But, but yeah, that that is another that is another idea where like, you're right. I mean, and also too, listening is important because you know if you, for example, the reason why I let you go on tirades or you know or, or I let you go on these long rants. Is because I know that I do that to you and I know that I cut you off and I want to make sure that I give you the proper time to, to lay out well, your idea right. before I destroy yeah. it. <laughs> I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, the thing is, too, is like, I, I you know, I think I work out the problem like as I'm talking. Right. You know, so I will. I I tend to I see something. I'm like, OK, I want to I want to address that. But then I also have to work out in my mind how everything that I see is interconnected. And then in a conversation, the reason why I make people miserable is because I'm just like, well, there's this, this and that. And people hear things in my little tirade and they're like, well, I have to respond. I have to respond to that. But then, like, I'll save seven other things. They're like, well, fuck, like, you know, like I have to talk about that thing. And so people want to interrupt me and I get it, you know, because like I said one thing that probably sounds insane. And they're like, "Okay, well, I have to address that. But. I usually try to make it all link back up. I mean, as I'm sure you've heard in in this conversation as tonight, but listen, I know we're sort of getting on time. So I think we can wrap it up before we, before we have our, our ending segment here. Is there anything else you want to say about QAnon? The the only thing I'll, I'll say is that I'm, I'm worried that it's getting more traction. And I believe that depending, you know, I hate the phrase that this election is like the most important election of our history. And I am not one of those people who is going to say that the 2020 election is going to change the course of history. I do, however, think that whether whomever wins, you know, whether it's Trump or Biden, because let's be honest, we know it's going to be either one of them. um, Whoever wins is going to have a significant change in what is going to happen. If Trump wins, I suspect the QAnon people are going to be more invigorated. Um, I also think that protests and and the and the way that civil society has been starting to break down, I think that'll be worse. If Biden wins, I don't know. I, I think things actually might start to level out a bit. I mean, that's the one uh, you know sympathetic hope that I have here. So, uh, with that you know, with that being said, I'll throw it over to you, Josh, and then we can end on our uh, on our last segment. Yeah, and and you're not wrong. I, I I honestly believe that maybe a part of our reason to to cover QAnon 
is because it, it, it echoes a lot of our underlying worries of, of the vastness or the, the wildness of this election. And you're right, using phrases like most important of all time or, or, or you know, history changing you know, or future course changing, I'm, I'm not going to make those phrases, but it, it is a high stakes election, no doubt about yeah. that. And there are differing things that could happen. You know, obviously the, the response of, of another four years of Trump from either side or, you know, not only just QAnon supporters being invigorated or if Trump loses the response from his base, you know, yeah. that's also something that's that's interesting. And, and again, that might sound slippery slopey, but for me, it's it's this counterfactual of like, you know, one of them, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. You know what I mean? So like, what, what does that mean when those things happen? And the QAnon thing just, it, 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 it seals the deal of, of making me understand sympathetically a little bit more of maybe why people believe or can tolerate what Donald Trump is doing, you know, because the things that he says and the things that he does, I just, I'm just, it blows my mind that people support that man and I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that from my personal experience, I just do not see any clear, coherent reason for that. But when you we break down these ideas of of magical thinking, we break down the susceptibility of of wanting to do good in the world, of wanting community, of of wanting all these things, and and how we don't know how to critically think, and all of these things that all connect together, at least on one level, a help me understand how some people might you know follow him no matter what he says now because they legitimately believe that it's planned chaos that Trump is doing this as a distraction. Right. You know, it, they're clear cut answers. And that means that like the prospect, you know, cause I'm getting worried because, you know, here we are again, just like 2016, where you see people going like, oh, Trump's losing in the polls. Like, you know, Trump's like, oh, oh he looks like Biden is, is being favored. I'm just like, this is exactly what we were saying in 2016 about Hillary. So like, we can't just go off of those same numbers and make those same statements. I feel like we're history is repeating itself. Yeah, I, I so definitely think my that own anxiety, we, we can't trust the polling in the way that we did in 2016. Right, my own anxiety and worries is that, like, you know, if we do get a f- four more years of Trump, what does that mean? And, you know, the, the only statement Grace I'll say is, like, look, Biden wasn't my first choice. You know, but I'm, I do believe that when you want, so again, choosing a, a president is not a, is not a marriage. You know, this is a metaphor I've heard. I'm not choosing the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'm going to choose a person that I may not be as compatible with, but that might teach me things to choose the next person to get closer to the person that I, that I want to be with, <laughs> you know, or the right. So it's like Biden's a stepping stone or the other, the other beautiful metaphor I heard is, you know, is it's essentially, you know, if you have all these things going down, maybe Biden, you know, Biden is not like, you know, if Trump is a cancer and I hate to say this because I know it's very left leaning. I'm not saying oh, that, like, God. If believe, but if oh, you believe that Trump is, a, <laughs> what? if Trump is a cancer, you know, you know, it, it, it was during Bernie's campaign. They're like, Bernie was like removing the tumor and Joe Biden is like chemotherapy. You know, it's going to make you a little bit sick, <laughs> but in the long run, <laughs> of in the long run, it's designed to, it's designed, it's designed to get rid of the cancer. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so that just kind of the aspect of, of trying to build the stepping stone into into getting back to a sense where we can talk about things and try to actually solve problems. Now, again, that might be grandiose and it might be something that it's going to be difficult to achieve. So until then, we just have to keep seeing how this plays out. That's the only way to know. 
So that's all for I sure. Got. We'll tell you what. Um, we'll we'll finish there. Why don't we end on our last segment? We won't uh, spend that much time. But as everybody remembers, hopefully, that on our main episodes we like to end with our segment that we call "Read, Watch, Play." So, Josh, why don't you uh, quickly tell our audience what are you reading, watching, and playing? Yeah. So uh, right now for watching, I they dropped the I think season five, the newest season of Lucifer on Netflix. So I just finished that which has been really good. I watched season three of dark too. So I think those are the, the two things that I've just watched back to back. Very nice. Um, so and Lucifer, it's a really fun show. I did a little bit. It's part of the DC universe too, which a lot of people don't know that. So that's cool. Oh, um, really? You know, oh, but shit it is. Yeah. So yeah, are you even, saying uh, you're a Satanist? Actually... Is this, are you the enemy of Tuna? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but I um, they, they actually put a difficult thing where he actually can't. Uh, so the funny thing in their version, if nobody's seen the show, uh, Satan can't lie. He's actually, <laughs> it's a misconception that he's the, he's the king of lies because he actually can't lie. And, uh, he actually cannot, you know, in, influence or change. He can only bring out what people already internally desire. Um, so it's, it's interesting the dynamic that they take with the, with the science behind it and, or pseudoscience or religious thinking. So that that's fascinating. But as far as uh, reading goes, um, I am currently, again, as we mentioned in the NBS News episode, I am about to start my master's program for clinical counseling. And so I had to read through the orientation packets and I had to fill out these assignments and do that. So I just spent, you know, the past few days making sure that I had all my assignments done and I'm completely done with orientation and I start my first class on the 14th. And lastly, I, ju- I beat Ghost of Tsushima which was a great game. And I just found out that I didn't realize this, but the lead character in that game, uh, the motion caption, the voice actor is somebody that I worked with at the Shakespeare festival. And no so shit. that's really cool to see. No him. Shit. Yeah. So it's really cool to see him. Uh, I didn't even make that connection until my, uh, one of my college buddies uh, was here the other day. And so he kind of made that connection. I was like, Oh, I totally didn't realize I knew that guy. So that was exciting. Oh, very cool. And uh, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what about, what about you, Ian? What are you, what are you reading? Yeah. So playing? I am, I'm still working my way through Dune. It's, it's quite a dense book. I'm on to the, uh, the second part of it. I am uh, sorry for spoilers. You know, it's a book that came out in the sixties, but it is after, uh, Paul's father was assassinated by the Harkonnens and now him and his mother are uh, stuck in the sand on the run uh, on Arrakis uh, dealing with all sorts of sandworms and it's uh, getting intense. Very, It's still a very strange book to read because um, it's sci-fi, but it, it like comes across as fantasy in a, in a way. It has like a Star Wars flair to it. Um, if you read it, you'll know what I mean. Um, let's see. What am I watching? I did. Let's see. I, I finished dark. We did talk about that. I was rewatching, uh, Luther, the British procedural. It was on, uh, I have, it's on uh, all the season are on HBO max. And so I've been going back through and watching that, but I started the boys on Amazon, uh, on Amazon prime. And it is a fucking great show. It's so good. I knew you'd it's like so, it. I knew you would enjoy it. And see, it's so good. And season two is coming. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited season for it. Coming, I, like, I, I'm, I'm halfway through the first season. It's just like, first of all, uh, Carl Urban is fucking great. I fucking love that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, I love his, like, the fact that he still just uses his Kiwi accent, like, in the show is great. And then, like, all the characters, like, Homelander is fucking just, goddamn, he's fucked up. Like, I, what was it? I watched the episode, again, spoilers. Uh, for boys season one, but like in, I think is in season four or episode four rather where there's that plane that is like hijacked by terrorists. And so him and queen Maeve go to like, quote unquote, save it. Uh, but like in the end, they, 
they end up uh, Homelander like accidentally destroys the controls because he just impulsively uses his laser eyes. And Homelander is this sort of uh, like knockoff Superman, you know, like he's obviously like a very corrupt version of like what a Superman would be. And what's cool is about the show is that right. like, it's all very capitalistic. It's like if superheroes were real, it's very cynical take. Like they would all be working just for pure money and wherever the government or the propaganda of it where they, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of links. And, and, too, and the, you know, they like ended up, they, they just not, they didn't save any of the passengers on the plane. He just let it crash at the end of it. He's just like, you know what? If the military let us go in, like he, you know, we could went in there and saved him. Like we didn't even get a chance to get there. It's like, you fucking liar. You know, like it's just, you know, it's, it's such a well-crafted show. I'm very much looking forward to season two. Um, uh, as far as what I'm playing right now, I'm still playing a lot of hunt showdown. Um, it's a, it's a great game as I've talked about it before, but I did just get cuphead on PS4. And if people are familiar with that, especially Xbox players, it originally came to Xbox and, and PC later on a little bit last year, where it's a sort of side scroller, uh, shoot 'em up where you play as like this hand drawn animated, like Cupman is like the main character you need to fight bosses and go through these like in crazy levels. And the thing is, is like, it's known for it's high difficulty. And, uh, but also more importantly, all of the entire aesthetic is like 1950s cartoons. It's all hand drawn. So like, think about all the Looney Tunes and all of like the Walt Disney style, uh, cartoons that were drawn from back in the day. Everything is hand drawn in it. And the the animation is so, so cool. And, and like it has such an interesting aesthetic and, and gameplay to it. It's it's super fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, that's what I'm reading, watching and playing. And I think uh, with that, Josh, I think we can get out of here. This was QAnon. Let's get out of here, guys. Things. Thanks for, so, yeah, this was QAnon episode and our last segment. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate you sticking with us. Take we'll see care. You next time. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you.